Hello and welcome to Saladcast. Myself, Ollie, and Glyn, as always. How are you doing, Glyn? I'm alright, Ollie. Have you had a good week? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Lots of travelling. Um, but um, obviously, as you know, made it to the game on Saturday. Yeah, decent drive up, so can't complain. And um, when I got there, um, I was, uh, messaged a few people on Facebook and met Aid Plimmer oh, yeah. and Chris and a few of the guys um, in the pub and had a couple of nice pints of pre-game, so um, so that was pretty good. Um, what about you? Did you get it too much on Saturday? Obviously, you couldn't make the game. No, I couldn't make the game. I think I mentioned this last week, a bit unfortunate. that um, well, I was unfortunate. It was my, um, well, turned out it was my wife's mum and dad's 40th anniversary, so went to the Golden Cross in Shrewsbury, if anyone's been there before. It's a lovely pub. Um, so I had a nice meal, but I was sort of finished before the football started, so I got home and watched a bit of Jeff and Jeff and the boys and soccer Saturday and had the radio on, so yeah, that's the way I followed it this week. And uh, yeah, it sounded like an interesting game, Ollie, to be fair. I, I should say I did actually go to watch one game of football this week. While I was up north in Kendall, I went to see Kendall Town versus Bursko in the Unibond North Premier Division or something like that I don't know what it is very very low non-league but and Kendall Town won 4-0 but honestly the standard okay. was so poor you think we've seen some rubbish under Mellon this season go and watch a game of Unibon Premier Football Molly it's not great no that sounds interesting but was it a good good kind of like set up quite a nice kind of friendly kind of like <laughs> There wasn't many people there. It was about 60 fans and it was a bit of a ramshackle old ground. So it was like, it was, I like things like that. It gives you something to do in the evening. The nights are what sort of drawing out now, aren't they? So it's still almost light yeah, when it started. Are. So yeah, it was, it was quite a nice experience to go and see some non-league football for once. But, um, yeah, I might go and see him again if they're ever playing on Tuesday night and I'm up there. But yeah, it's just, you know what football fans are like. Even if you can't go and see your own team. It's always good to put a bit of money into one of the non-league clubs. They sort of appreciate it. I'd have got the raffle. Almost won a bottle of wine. I was one number out at half time. So there we go. You've got to, you've got to sort of join in, haven't you? And it's I spend so much time mm-hmm. in Kendall. It's like a home away from home. So I think they might become my second team. But um, yeah, it wasn't the biggest game of the week. And obviously a huge game at Chesterfield. So um, yeah, I'm interested to see what you, you thought of it, really. Yeah, no, cool. So yeah, let's go into the game. And um, yeah, we can go through um, the, the Shrewsbury-Chesterfield um, match. How's your nerve, Ben Davis? It's at the Wakeman end. Town are 1-0 down. And Davis quite frankly has to score to calm some nerves all around Gay Meadow Davis then right footed score Ben Davis so 11th of March 3 o'clock at Chesterfield Ollie Warner was there it was Shrewsbury Town well Chesterfield won Shrewsbury Town won um Obviously, we went ahead, Mr. Tyler Roberts with the first goal, but uh, we were pegged back just for half time. Bit of an annoying time to let one in. Um, I think it was Ian Everett got the goal on the 42nd minute. So, yeah, about 6,000 6, fans there, wasn't there, Ollie? And about 521 from Shrewsbury, which is cracking, to be honest with you, for taking that many to Chesterfield on a Saturday. So, well done, all the Shrewsbury Town fans that did make it. Um, uh, sounds like you got behind the team and it did brilliantly. We'll talk to Ollie about that in a minute. But, um, yeah, before, before we go into it, it's probably just worth running through the team, Ollie. So, um, yeah, it was obviously a little while in goal as usual. And there was there was quite a few changes. I'd probably just worth going through the changes first. Obviously, Brown had been dropped or maybe injured. We don't quite know yet. And Sadler then moved to left-back. Then <clears throat> Al Abd came in at centre-back. And then we obviously had Grimmer got dropped for the fit again, Riley. And then Yates was dropped for Morris. So meant the team was Lutweiler, Riley, Alabd, Nisala and Sadler at the back. And then Wally, Morris, Deegan, Rodman in midfield and Roberts and Lapado up front. So yeah, quite a few changes, Ollie. And, and the other thing you put on the agenda here just to mention as well is obviously we went into this game having won six in the last ten games. So... We were the form team. You might have expected us to be the ones to win, and, and maybe not if you'd have seen commentary last week, but who knows. But um, yeah, Ollie, it seemed, seemed like there was a good bunch of town fans there, and probably start there. What was the atmosphere like on the day? Yeah, no, it was um, a good good turnout for Shrewsbury Town fans. Obviously, it's um, it's obviously kind of North Midlands, isn't it? Start of the start of the North, yeah. um, Chesterfield. Um, so yeah, it was good town following. Pretty 
town fans were pretty buoyant and pretty um, you know good in terms of chanting at the start of the game, but also so were Chesterfield fans. To be fair, I was quite surprised actually. The, um, their fans all got quite quite behind the side. Um, there was a few times in the game where like, the, the whole crowd was clapping together, oh, wow. which is quite it was quite impressive. Um, so yeah, good good turnout from Shrewsbury Town fans and. Um, yeah, it was interesting. That was quite um, well um, received by the manager and the players who came over at the end. And I think actually um, uh, the manager actually had his family in the stand because he came right to the fans at the end of the game and there was two kids who looked quite a lot like him. So <laughs> I that was his family. So that was quite nice as well. And obviously it was probably quite nice for them as well that Shrewsbury fans were singing his name quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so that was probably quite a nice little moment for those guys. Mm, I suppose the Chesterfield fans have got to get beyond their team really because it was do or die, wasn't it, for them in some respects. So, uh, you know, 6,000 is not a bad little turnout for them, is it? We'd be quite happy to be getting six thousand every week we've been touch touch and go a few times haven't we so yeah, it sounds like they, they were just as supportive as the town fans, which probably leads to a good atmosphere, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And kind of the attendance, you know, we had 6,200 against Coventry. Um, and then we, and then obviously they had 6,300 this week. So it just kind of says, doesn't it, that we're both quite similar sized clubs um, in terms of attendance, not necessarily total fan base yeah. and all that. But in terms of attendees, you know, it's quite, um, it's quite interesting that we're, you know, maybe a club that we could kind of compare ourselves to. I, de- I definitely think that, Ollie. Yeah, definitely think that. Yeah. So what, what did you make when getting in there then? Well, I suppose you as usual with the modern society you probably found out about the changes to the team in the pub via Twitter I would imagine as usual but um... yeah I did I was keeping my eye out it was longer it was I don't know what they were playing at this week but yeah it seemed to take a lot longer than normal because normally it comes out bang on two doesn't yeah. it but it was more like ten past so I was waiting for ten minutes to see what the time was and obviously the um, the team came out and yeah I was quite surprised um, not surprised that there was changes but I was quite surprised to see El Hab back yeah. um, for me that was quite a surprise um, and also uh, that Riley was back so that was quite good to see as well and yeah so quite a surprise in, you know, in the sense some of the, the team lineup when you first saw it but then you know you take cast your mind back to the Coventry game which was really poor um, yeah it's not too too surprising um, actually on that I did actually um, I was talking to uh, a Shrewsbury Town fan in the pub before the game and they thought that we were quite harsh um, on our performance against Coventry and <laughs> thought we were a bit harsh on the players but I don't know I think maybe um, the comments from Paul Hurst post-match and also the fact he made so changes mm. uh, made so many changes perhaps suggests he agreed with us um, I guess the biggest um, surprise for everyone was that Brown was dropped and that's the first time he'd been dropped and um, he was dropped um, because Paul Hurst mentions um, in his post-match that he basically the Shropshire asked him why he was dropped and he said have you not seen him recently Oof. so um, he was quite clear that his performance had dropped but then he did kind of soften a little bit saying that he's, he's quite tired so yeah, yeah. so what, what did you make of the uh, the changes Glenn? were you surprised I think I'm similar to you isn't it it feel, feels like just a little bit of a shake up that was needed just to try and get the malaise of the, the Coventry game out of it um, it's interesting about whether we thought we were harsh or not last week we've certainly been harsher at, at other points this season haven't we Holly so yeah, yeah I hope they've been so, listening yeah. to the rest of the podcast but yeah for, for Brown's the interesting wasn't it isn't it is really and, and I think the, the counterpoint to that would be you know have you ever seen El Abd play because there's a lot of Shrewsbury Town fans who'd say Brown on a bad day is still better than El Abd on a good day so I mean it's probably be interesting to see what you thought about his return to the team and his performance and we'll, we'll get to that as we go through the game but yeah, yeah hopefully it's just maybe more of a resting for Brown rather than a dropping because I think he has been a good player this season and it'd be a shame if this season ended now and he couldn't couldn't get his place back but um it's a squad game. Everyone's got to get a chance at some point, haven't they? So we'll just have to see how it develops over the next few weeks. It certainly is a squad game, and that's also something Paul Hurst has uh, mentioned. So obviously we had the, the Q&A this week, yep. which we'll come on to in the news. Um, but quite interestingly, he was saying you know, that you know players um, stay in the team based on their last performance. Um, he did add that you know, if someone's been playing really well for 15 games, then he will give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, so maybe enough. this was that, and also maybe just giving Brown the chance to rest um, and bring it back in. So... 
I don't know. I put my put my name on the line here. I think he'll be. I think Brown will be starting again. Yeah. Um, against Port Vale, and then maybe it's just the rest he needed. Yeah, true. Right. I think the other interesting change was obviously Yates getting dropped, and after what yeah. we talked about last week, and I hadn't said I'd not been convinced, and obviously we had my brother on last week, Mike, who was sort of quite scathing about Yates, wasn't he? And so yeah, another that got yeah. dropped, and I think maybe that is a dropped for form because he'd had a couple of stinkers back to back, hadn't he? So it'd be it'd be interesting to see whether he gets his place back, and I suppose it's going to depend on whether Morris can take his chance. So we should move. Onto the game really and see how these these new players did. So, what did it start like, Ollie? What do we, what does town get into it stuck like stuck into it like? Yeah, so um started the game really well. Um, we were positive. Um, we dominated um, the first kind of like ten minutes of the game, and yeah, the the goal came from um, was a, was a good a good bit of play, a bit of a, a punt forward um, by Morris. Um, but then, um, so he kind of, the ball comes back from the defender. Um, then he does a really, really good tackle right by the kind of where the right winger would, would norm- normally be. He wins the ball, um, crosses it um, from Filippado, who has a shot. Um, the shot is saved and kind of parried off at an angle. Okay. And then it was directed right into the path of Roberts, who took advantage of the loose ball and kind of just slotted, slotted it away with his left foot. Yep. Um, it was nice kind of tidy finish and yeah um, obviously town fans jumping with joy and yeah great fantastic start to the game and yeah we was hoping that this was going to be yeah you know a start of a very very um, happy day for town fans yeah so i've obviously only seen the highlights and roberts was johnny on the spot really wasn't he to take advantage of the spill from the goalkeeper it looked, I mean, as you said it was a pretty good save actually hit it with some pace to neil apado and yeah good finish and and yeah i, I think I was, I was still walking home at that point I quite got home to watch uh, soccer saturday and it sort of came through on twitter as sort of a, a little a little clench of the fist as i was walking back so yeah that was nice and i thought you know once going one nil up against a team devoid of confidence i would have expected us to score a few more and Obviously, when I got back and put the radio on, it seemed like it was chance after chance, really, for most of the first half. Obviously, we can talk about the general play, but it seems like that was a bit of a tale of the first half. So, yeah, what, what were the sort of standout chances, really, that you can't believe we didn't score from? Yeah, the best one was um, was Worley had a good strike and hit the post, um, which was really, obviously, that was obviously as, almost as close as you can get. Toto nearly scored from a free kick from Worley. And then we had a great counter-attack um, with Rodman and Worley really linking it really nicely. And then Rodman had a shot. And their defender came flying out and blocked it and he maybe hit his hand but Rodman called for it but I think the referee um, was right um, really I thought it, was, it would have been a really harsh to give it a penalty wouldn't have minded one but um, and it'd be interesting to see who would have taken it wouldn't it obviously after last week if we had got one well yeah we were going to talk quick about it in the um, the Q&A again and we'll probably flit, flit in a few of the points here but talking to penalties um, in the Poorhurst Q&A someone asked him a question about the, the stuff that went on last week didn't they and he basically came out yep. and said well not ideal and, and you know looking back I would have hopefully had Humphrey take it but the most interesting was that he said that of all the players at the football club he would want taking penalties he'd want Louis Dodds taking them and Louis Dodds does yeah. not want to take them which to me is I don't know shows a little bit of a lack of heart really that you know he can put himself up there and stand up to be the man to take the penalties and I don't know it seems a little bit in keeping with sort of the, the sort of play I've seen from Louis Dodds this season for me personally so yeah, that was really interesting wasn't it that a manager would come out and say look he's the best penalty taker and he won't take him it is um, it is it is a shame because yeah I like I like Louis Dodds he's a good player um, and he was good when he came on as well and he seems like a good pro um, but I guess I guess well I guess I guess you'd be more furious with him if he took a bad penalty or some bad penalties and missed um, rather than taken but standing up to, to be counted but yeah it's just strange yeah I guess, I guess he's kind of yeah I guess he just doesn't doesn't like the pressure uh, maybe I'm not sure but maybe if we do get a penalty against someone and we're already winning 3-0 or something like that maybe we should give it to Louis Dodds <laughs> to give him um, the bit of confidence or something like that but yeah it's an interesting comment yeah interesting 
Um, and yeah, one I picked on as well, so that was good. So, so yeah, the half went pretty well. Um, overall, Shrewsbury Town had 21 shots in a game, so obviously that tells you, um, that we were, you know, pretty dominant, um, overall. Um, but then the game, the game, um, as you've mentioned, um, 42 minutes, we conceded a goal, which was pretty poor. So what happened was they took a short corner, um, well, not a short corner, it basically didn't go into the box, um, went into the edge of the penalty area. Um, the, the ball was then put back to the corner um, taker, who then um, crossed the ball into the box. Um, the big big centre-half um, was in the in the box. Um, Toto was on the wrong side of him, couldn't keep up with him, and he just got in and yeah, stabbed into the back of the net. And It was right in front of us, yeah. um, right in front of me, where I was kind of watching, right, in, um, and it was... Yeah, it was not good. He was pretty sloppy. He kind of almost, he, when you watched it in real time, it felt like he arrived with um, no one there near him at all. But watching the highlights back, Toto was with him. But yeah, just kind of allowed him, to, um, allowed the, the defender to get in front of him. Um, so not, no, not good. concentration, do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. I think I think um, their ploy obviously worked. You know, to kind of have a corner, then almost then to right, get a ball back into the box really quickly. And yeah, lack of concentration, lack of tracking, um, not putting pressure on the corner taker as well. Um, and yeah, and the, the corner taker had plenty of time and he kind of took it. Um, he was almost on line with the six yard box mm. where he took the cross from. Um, so it, was, it worked for them. Um, and yeah, went in um, at half time and one all, which I thought was a bit unfair, really. Luke Vila really didn't really have anything else to do. And I wouldn't say Chesterfield deserved their equaliser. No, um, so that was quite frustrating. Was, one thing I was going to ask is, um, like, you, you know, you said the half went quite well up until that goal, but a few people I saw on Twitter and, and sort of reading Blue and Amber and Facebook weren't overly impressed with the performance in terms of the fact that Chesterfield weren't very good either and we weren't brilliant, but it just took us being a bit average to sort of have all these shots. So, And it was interesting, Lewis Cox is something similar. So, you know, we weren't, we weren't outstanding in that first half, really. We were just doing enough, were we, or, or not? I mean, it's a game of opinions. Yeah, I'd say... I'd say, yeah, I'd say overall and, and kind of like this is kind of consistent with the second half as well as some poor decision making throughout. Um, weren't passing the ball um, brilliantly well, but, you know, scored one goal, hit the post, nearly scored from a, um, a, set, um, a set piece. Um, you know, nearly, really, nearly close with a clo- um, last-minute block from Rodman. Yeah. Um, it could have been two 0 quite easily. Um, so it was, yeah, it was Chesterfield were poor. Let's not let's not get away from that. And yeah, what Lewis is saying is right. But yeah, I don't think a draw was deserved. So, in terms of players that kind of impressed for me, I thought Morris was good in the first half. Walling, Rodman, and Roberts. Were, and Roberts was good in the first half, but. His influence on the game starting to deteriorate after about 35, 40 minutes. Um, and then he didn't do too much in the second half. So so that was that. Yeah, so going to the second half, um, Roberts and Lapello carried on linking it well. They do work well as a partnership together, don't they? Yeah, I, I think I think I prefer them to any of the other partnerships we've seen in the sort of variety of strikers we've got now. You know, they seem like the first strikers and unless any reason not to play them. You know, when Lapado got dropped the other week, we didn't look too good in that game. I can't remember what it was. Was it MK Dons away? Can't remember. So yeah, for me, they're the front two. I, I want to keep playing and, and just let's persist with them for the rest of the season and, and the partnership they've got now can only really get better, can't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think, well, I was going to say this about the second half, but it's also true, quite true of um, um, Lapado as well, that he had quite a lot of, of his efforts with long yeah. range. Um, and that's what kind of the second half was um, was quite frustrating, um, quite frustrating for me. Um, we were sloppy in our passing, and some of the some of the crossing was really poor. Um, Wally was definitely our biggest threat all game, and he had some really nice um, runs um, and and um, bits of skill. He was 
probably is definitely our most attacking um, threat throughout the game. But some of the crossing was really poor. There was one from Dodds, which was just almost like it was like a conversion, um, a, a rugby conversion. It was just it was really poor. So yeah, um, it wasn't it wasn't great to see no. um, some of the, the final balls in the first in the final half, a third of the pitch. And it's kind of been a bit of a, a story of our season, hasn't it? All year. Um, obviously, one of the things that Paul Hurst has been able to do is to um, shore up the back, and we've won most of our games with like a one-goal margin. And yeah, this game we just didn't take our chances, and um, and then we were snuffed, um, kind of like you know, snatching at shots and long-range efforts, which were quite easy for the goalkeeper to yeah, save. Yeah, especially if we let the lead slip as well, you snatch at shots even more then don't you? As you're sort of worrying about where yeah. the game's going to head and, and whether you've thrown it away or not. So um, I, I guess that was quite interesting. I totally agree about the crossing this season; it's not been up to scratch a lot of the time. You know, you can't remember too many pinpoint crosses we've scored decent headers from and considering we've been playing wingers all season you might have expected more of our goals to come through that actually our wingers have been different types of wingers maybe suggested that they like to get the ball up run with it cut in have a shot themselves particularly Wally and also you know it seems like Rodman's a little bit in that mould as well they don't tend to be the ones that put the crosses in if the crosses come in tends to have been from Riley or Grimmer or sometimes Brown so you know we are playing wingers but they're not just natural head down get to the byline you know put it on a big striker's head it's it's a slightly different type of winger um but the, the interesting thing about Wally as you say he had another good game is that you know last week we were worrying about him going off injured and whether he play again so we were lucky I think that he's not got a, a longer term injury and obviously got over whatever happened in that Coventry game quite quickly and so it was good to see him back in the starting lineup straight away wasn't it yeah it was um and um you know we all as we all know as well football fans know um Someone who can go past a man is invaluable, um, and he certainly he certainly did that a few times. Um, yeah. So in terms of um, highlights for the second half, um, there was quite an annoying moment um, where um, Ever went off injured. So he went down, went off injured. He came back on the pitch, walked on fine, jogged around a little bit, and then went down again straight away and asked for the stretcher which I thought was pretty unsporting of um, Chesterfield to do that. Um, obviously, they were wasting time to allow their their sub to okay. come on, um, which is quite poor on their behalf, I guess. But I guess they were fighting for their lives at the bottom did, of the league. Um, so that was a bit did of Did it feel like they were, they were playing for a point at any time? Or, or did they... I mean, it sounded to me like both teams were going for it near the end. But, you know, Chesterfield wouldn't have been happy with a point, would they? Couldn't have just sat back and took a point. I doubt that that was the reason he was doing his shenanigans, was it, or not? Uh, yeah, I think he was just doing it so um, their, their um, defender oh, was okay. ready and kind of prepared to come on so they wouldn't play with 10 men. Yeah, I'd say both teams were trying to win. I just think both teams were quite... You know the reason why we are where we are in the league is both teams um, struggle to score goals yeah. and and obviously they had their favourite you're one of your favourite League One strikers oh, up yeah. front Ebans Blake um, who had quite a quiet game really he didn't really do anything can't really remember him having any shots he clattered Lutweiler at one point didn't he he did yeah in the first half Lutweiler um, got clattered and went down um, and he was down for quite a bit it was quite funny actually um, their their physio was a little bit older than Chris Skip um, and you can see this guy running across the pitch in slow motion you do kind of realise that yeah Chris Skip is pretty quick getting across the pitch this guy looked like he was literally running in slow motion so like some kind of cartoon what bless him would, yeah what um, were the town fans like towards El, 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 um, well I'll ask you that in a minute what were the town fans like towards Towards uh, Ebanks Blake, did he get any? Did he get any mocking? Nothing. He didn't get no. anything. I can't remember. I can't remember any kind of. I think there was a few, um, few shouts of, of him and his weight, but um, <laughs> nothing, um, nothing particularly. Um, you know, um, yeah, he didn't really get much attention. I think, I think, I think it was almost he's forgotten yeah. about as much. He as got more else. grief when he's playing for us than he did for playing against us. So there you go. That says something about how yeah. little he did for us when during his period for us. So there we go. Just then we'll probably come on to the rest of the highlights in a minute, but. 
what was his general performance like, Ollie? You know, was it the more solid lab we have seen in several games, or was it the sort of was he calamitous? It wasn't calamitous, obviously, because we didn't concede more than one. But was he making mistakes, and were you worried every time that ball was coming in from across, or I don't know, what was he like? His defensive play was okay. You know, obviously with his um, height, he always struggles a little bit um, winning headers and stuff, doesn't he? So he often has to grapple a little bit. So defensively, he was okay. His passing was really poor. Um, and he's he's one of the players that seemed to just kind of hit, hoof the ball into the air. And there's one moment where he tried to hoof the ball in the air; it went up and only to like kind of Brilliant. like two meters to his to his left. So yeah, he was. I don't know whether he was a bit nervy in possession or what, but he didn't he didn't put in a performance that makes you think okay, he's going to be playing again oh, okay. against Port Vale. Um, so he didn't make any mistakes, but didn't stand out. You wouldn't fit, you know, if you were, if, you know, if you went, if, if you sit next to neutral and you turn around and you said to him, which one of those players has come back into the side is supposed to be our leader, our captain, you, know, you wouldn't think it was Al Habd. Um, he had a bit of a workman-like game, but um, yeah, not, um, okay. not particularly impressive. Um, and considering he'd been out for such a long time, um, I thought he would have, would have, you know, imposed, yep. tried to impose on the game more. Um, but, I guess I was just thinking. There's a couple of players that we haven't spoken about for a while. I kind of was reminded of them by this at the start of this game. You know, yeah. Elhab, Lancashire, and McGiven. You know, this season, uh, Mickey Menon didn't do very well, did he, at signing no. central defenders? Well, uh, we did the prediction league at the start of the season on him, and one of the questions was um, who will play more games this season, McGiven or Lancashire? And as it turns out, both of them will hardly play any games, so I don't quite know who's played more. It's probably McGiven at this stage, but yeah, for for neither of them to be playing, you know, any significant, you know, part of our season, I, you know, it it. I think again, coming back to the Paul Hurst things, there are players he's going to want to move on, and I doubt that either of those two are going to be retained at the end of the season. No, definitely not. Um, you'd hope not, anyway. Um, they were they were both well, anyway. Let's not talk about those two. <laughs> but um, yeah, in terms of um, the rest of the game, um, so Dodds and Humphrey came on. Um, Ladipo and Roberts were okay, but they kind of started to um, their their impact on the game started to diminish. Um, Dodds um, was a, so did this really nice little flick um, to Wally um, in the penalty area, but Wally just couldn't find his man. Uh, another poor weak cross, mm. um, which is a bit frustrating. Um, Humphrey was good actually; he really impressed me. He was full of running, um, running at the opposition, and he got past the players a few times. Yeah. Um, had a couple of shots. Um, but unfortunately, um, they were blocked or, or the keeper were an easy save for the goalkeeper. Humphrey's, Humphrey's turning into a bit of a sub, sort of sub performer, isn't he? Because when he's yeah. come off the bench, he's been pretty impressive and got us going forward. And some of the games where we've been struggling, he's maybe turned the sort of performance around and we've started getting on the front foot. Whereas the games he has started, he hasn't been, you know, too impressive in all of them, has he? So <laughs> he got sent off in one of them, didn't exactly, he? Exactly, yeah. So maybe he's going to just be our super sub to the end of the season, which will get him a few games and he might nab a couple of goals and keep us up. So that'd be good enough, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, have, it would be. Um, and obviously, um, I don't know if you saw this in the highlights. Um, I don't think I actually don't think I actually saw it in the extended one. Um, but we had then a fantastic chance to um, win the game. So um, if I remember this right, um, Wally did a really great piece of skill. Got past the fullback, whipped a ball into the back um, into the box, and you know when it's one of those kind of times where it does feel like you know a bit matrixy and everything slows down. Yeah. And Humphrey jumps up, 
and heads the ball down, does everything you'd want him to do, and somehow the goalkeeper gets yeah. um, gets a leg to it or whatever and saves it. And oh, I, I, th- I thought that was it. I thought well, I thought we'd scored here. Oh, um, I was looking at everyone's Twitter, you know, things who were at the game and people I know there, and some of the guests we've had on yourself as well, Ollie. And there was a lot of how has that not got in? You know, not just at that point, <laughs> but even in the first half when we had a few chances. I think the Wally chance and maybe Nasala's header. And yeah, there was a lot of tweets just saying I can't believe we haven't scored. Oh, how has that not gone in? <laughs> so yeah, it sounds like. You know, as much as it was a two poor teams, we definitely had more of the chances, didn't we? And you know, yeah. do you, I think I'm going to ask you now. You know, do you feel like you come away from there thinking that was two points drop? It was two tr- points drop, definitely. Um, again, kind of consistent in terms of poor finishing and poor decision making, too many long short range train shots and poor crossing. But I would say it was enjoyable. Oh, yeah, good. So it was quite an enjoyable game. Obviously, after the the really dire game we had at Coventry. Yeah. Um, against Coventry at home. It was good to have an entertaining game of football. Um, and actually, Brian Caldwell was on BBC Shropshire after the game and he kind of pointed and made a comment on that as well. Um, so that was that was good. I did see... I did, Brian was actually at the um, the ground. He was in the with the away fans. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure about his red trainers, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> he brought you a cup of coffee, are you, Ollie? He you, did, been... yeah. I was trying to get my wallet out and, yeah, and he, he brought me a coffee. So, no, um, it was good. I got to see Brian and he was in defence of him. Apart from his red trainers, he was um, he was good on BBC Shropshire. So, yeah, he had some good things to say. Yeah, my mum was listening to the radio. I turned off that, and my mum sent me a text. And, and I think I've talked about my mum being a massive huge town fan, but she sent me a text saying that she thinks Brian Caldwell might be the only person in the world that talks faster than I do. So there we go. <laughs> I'll have to take that comment on board, uh, Brian, the same as I do on the podcast. So yeah, there we go. Good old Brian. He's always got lots to say, hasn't he? So um, yeah, no, he yeah, game good. over. I'm just reading through your last note here, Ollie. It says ref wanted to be everyone's mate, <laughs> and then you put something less less <laughs> positive for him. So what was the ref like? Well, you know when you get those refs that just kind of like want to be one of the lads. <laughs> Oh, and it's like he was like he, in his defense he, he actually had a pretty good game he didn't really do anything particularly wrong um someone might kind of contact us and say what about this but i can't think of anything right now that he did wrong okay but he was just a little bit annoying where he was just like trying to be one of the lads you know he's a bit like a kind of like a league one mike riley oh, um, no. kind of smiling all that kind of time so yeah it was just a little bit annoying but to be fair it's always worth commenting you know yeah. the ref to have a good game he didn't he didn't you know didn't influence the game overly he didn't do much didn't ruin it or anything so so that was good to see and um yeah, there was a few. Um, you shared a few other questions, didn't you, Greg? Yes. So, yeah, I was, I was going. I was interested in whether, because um, obviously Riley's been out for a few weeks, hasn't he, with an injury? Yeah. So, w- did he look like he was coming back for an injury, or did he just slot in quite nicely, the sort of same he was playing before? Yeah, I'd say again, using a um, football manager um, kind of terminology or analogy, he he got a six point five out of ten. I'd say solid. Oh uh, yeah, he didn't do anything wrong. Um, Injury fitness-wise, he was full of running and it was overlapping um, like he was before. So there's no signs of injuries. He put a few decent crosses in, which obviously links what you were saying earlier about the fullbacks being, um, you know, particularly him and Brown have been very good, haven't they? Yes. Getting the ball in the box. So, yeah, so so nothing wrong, but nothing great. Um, solid performance, and I would expect him to be in the side um, for Vale. Oh, good. And then there was another thing I saw that on, on Twitter. A few people were saying we, we took some interesting corners during the game. Um, one of them, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, where they sort of all clustered in one area right on the side of the box yeah. and all sort of ran in madly. So they were up to those those old tricks again this week, weren't they? Yeah, there was one that comes um, definitely um, um, comes to mind where... Um, how do I describe this? So, if you imagine, obviously, um, you know, you're facing the goal and you've got the penalty area, and we're taking a corner on the left-hand side. All the Shrewsbury Town players were on the kind of the left corner of the penalty area, so really close to where the guy who's taking the corner was, and then all kind of ran and split like the red arrows do <laughs> towards the goal. <laughs> um, 
it didn't work, but um, it's nice to see that they're um, yeah doing something on the training ground. No, just good. Obviously, working on something. We just need to get that point where that works, and we score some goals from corners, and that would, exactly, be, that would yeah. be a positive. So. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because even Paul has mentioned these corners, and then we did a basic corner, and Toto scored. Yeah, so, there um, we go. Simple. I think me and you are quite old school, are we? Aren't we? we just want the ball in the box. Just put it on the head of the tallest player that we've got. Simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's what Les- that's what uh, Lincoln tried to do against Arsenal. Didn't quite work for them. But yeah. There we go. Um, and then the last question I had from the game really was, and I haven't really talked about him so much, but I think I've looked at your top three, so I think I'm going to hear some positives now. Was obviously we talked about Yates and sort of what we think about maybe his dis, sort of um, his inefficiencies of his last few games. That's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Um, I and he's replaced yeah. by Bryn Morris this week. And yeah, what was Bryn Morris like, Ollie? Because not a lot of us have seen too much of him yet. It's funny. Everyone seems to love the name Bryn because you don't just hear him called Morris. He's always Bryn Morris. <laughs> so a bit like bit like Deli Alley. Um, but um, he was good. He was very good. Um, he was one of the players that I think Paul Hurst was kind of commenting on about in kind of some wayward passing at times. But overall, he was a really, really good box-to-box midfielder. And obviously, in terms of the replacement for a go-go, I thought he was a nice fit next to Deegan. And oh, I thought he was much better than Deegan. So, yeah, I've put, I'd say he was solid in all elements of the game. Um, he was particularly good at winning some tackles. And obviously, his tackle um, and cross resulted in the, in the goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, th- I think he could be pleased with his performance, um, and I'll say he's one of the best, better performances, better performing players on the day on Saturday. So fair play to the lad, and it's interesting, obviously, because he's actually our own player. Um, we got him on a short-term deal, haven't we? Yes. So he was released by uh, Borough. So, yeah, I'd like to see us keep him. I would, um, you know, he had a, he's got a good CV, hasn't he, in terms of his England career, and he's coming from Middlesbrough, who have got a fine academy. So, yeah, I'd really, I really hope we keep Morris. Um, he seems to me a good, honest um, player, and he took a few set pieces as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he was. I think obviously, if you know if Yates, you know, after your your opinion on Yates last week, um, I wouldn't want to see Yates back into the side, and I think Morris deserved his position. Mm. So him and Riley, I think, you know, in terms of um, making changes, I would expect them to to keep their place. Yeah, hopefully I'll get to see him start for the first time at uh, Port Vale on Friday because I've been yeah. going to that one. So that'll be good. So I think that leads into your top three. And obviously we've just talked about your number one there, haven't we? So yeah, do you yeah. want to just run through the rest of them? Yeah, so Morris is number one. Um, Wally was number two. Um, I was quite critical, wasn't I, of Wally earlier on in the season because I hadn't really seen much um, of him to no. kind of impress me. But um, the last few weeks, um, you know, he's... You know, plays that kind of like you know inside forward winger kind of role um, really well. Um, he's our most attacking kind of um, gifted player in terms of going past people, and I thought he'd, he'd had a really good game. So yeah, I went for him second. Third, I really struggled uh, because there was him and uh, Morris kind of stood out, and everyone else was kind of pretty average. Yeah. But then um, I went for Sadler because nothing really came down his side. Now, I don't know whether that was because their tactic was just to kind of overload their right flank, sorry, their left flank, um, but or whether it was the fact that they just had no joy down that side. Uh, but he had a solid game and was, um, yeah, didn't no mistakes, uh, pretty solid game. So that's why I went for him third. I think that's fair enough, isn't it? Your you last yeah. two are quite interesting. One thing I'd say about Wally um, is that similar to last season he, he didn't really play much and, and very well up until Christmas time and then after Christmas he was sort of 
this particularly in the last couple of months of the season, he was sort of the revelation for us, wasn't he? Alongside um, some of the more talented players we brought in on loan. So he seems yeah. to be having a similar season now, whereas he, he's coming into his best form towards the end of the season. So that, that's, I find that quite interesting with Wally, that it's happened two seasons in a row. And with Sadler, I suppose it's fair enough giving him third place, because once again, he's sort of been shunted out of a position he's been playing in for the last month and a half and seems to have settled yeah. into left-back quite well. So yeah, good good to see them both continue in the good form they've had, at least for the last couple of months now, and, and particularly since Hurst came in. So yeah, good top three, that Ollie. So, um, yep. yeah, well, what else have we got? We've got the sort of Paul Hurst comments. Do you want to go through those? Yeah, Paul Hurst and the kind of, I'll just do the kind of three word match report. Oh, so, yeah. a couple of people, Jonathan saying we should have won, um, Simon Mills saying things looking up, two points dropped, um, long trip, um, El Hab still crap, um, and yeah, long journey. So, it was quite a you know bit of a trek. Um, not so much for me, obviously, I'm a bit of an advantage where I'm a bit more eastwards yeah. than Shrewsbury, but um, yeah, that's kind of kind of good, some good summaries um, of what we've said already. And then Paul Hurst, yeah, always good to watch Paul Hurst rather than just listen to him. Um, so he paused quite a long time um, before he's kind of answered at the start. He didn't really seem impressed that we didn't win and said we could have won the game. First off, started well. Um, they, had, they had lots of ball about, her, um, about hurting us. I think that was quite, quite an important point to say that they did have quite a bit of possession and set pieces. Uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't good enough not stopping their goal. Um, yeah um, what else did he say what we haven't covered already so yeah he was just quite frustrated you know he was kicking it in the air he didn't know why they were doing it um, an improvement on last week and interestingly on the Coventry game he even said he himself said only three players really deserve to keep their place um, so that was quite interesting and one thing that we've mentioned quite a lot um, in terms of teams that are doing well you know the Fleetwoods of the Worlds and Rochdale what we've seen hard work and he mentioned this and he was questioning some of the players commitment um, and poor decision making. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some, some of the quite similar things that we said um, in the last few weeks and the last few months. You don't mess with but Paul I Hurst, think Ollie. no, you don't mess with Paul Hurst. And I tell you what, it'd be interesting to see who he brings in in the summer. Um, all being well, we'll be in League One. Um, I think we're going to have a, a team. I think that will be proud to see. Um, you know, I think everyone will be least hardworking. Um, God knows where we'll end up, but I'm sure we'll have a bunch of players that will work hard for 90 minutes um, and will not let the fans down. If the, if if Paul Hurst's acquisitions and kind of trends continue, hmm. so that, that, I suppose that covers it, doesn't it? Really, and obviously, just worth mentioning the other results. Obviously, weren't too bad for us down the bottom. Obviously, Vale, no. got, an, vale got an important win over Swindon, which sort of pushes Swindon. I think eight nine points below us now, but puts Vale within five points of us. So the gap dropped to one point. You know, back to the relegation zone. So the gap's five points back to the relegation zone. Yeah. To me, now it's starting to look like we're nine games to go. That it's a sort of straight shoot between Vale and all the sort of four or five teams above them and if any of the four or five teams above Vale can match their points total between now and the end of the season they'll probably stay up you know well they will stay up in all likelihood so that's got to be yeah. our target hasn't it really sort of matching Vale the only issue with that is they've obviously got three games in hand on us and most of the other teams so it's kind of going to come down to whether they, they do well enough in those games in hand and obviously one of their next games is against us so that obviously puts complete and utter focus on the Port Vale game and, and uh, yeah it we'll come, come to that when we do the predictions in a minute but um yeah, it wasn't wasn't too bad in the results. It could have been a lot worse, couldn't it? Yeah, we've obviously um, obviously drawn a few games recently, lost a game as well. Um, so it's not ideal, but we still have that five point cushion and between us and the relegation zone. Yeah, you know, if you know, if we'd won a couple of those games, you know, you go, you know, you go up, look at the league table. Four points above us is Wimbledon in thirteenth. Yeah. 
Um, you know, so the, yeah, we've really pulled everyone back in, and yeah, I'd say even Wimbledon are probably not hundred percent safe yet. I think they've almost one win, and they yeah. definitely will be safe. That fifty point mark that we were been discussing recently. So yeah, it makes that port of very 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 important. It does. We'll have to see how it goes. Anyway, all right, cool. So yeah, one one, and uh, you know, there we go. This bit of a status quo has, has been returned this weekend. So um, we'll we'll part the game there. We'll move on to stand up news, Ollie. Darren Pierce is all over Spink. Referee's allowed play to go on. Tanner got the ball, knocked in by Curry, almost found his way through to Spink, has done to Brown, Brown shoots, that's a cracking goal! That's a cracking goal from Mickey Brown! So, Salop News, uh, sort of a big week really for the football club, isn't it, Ollie? Um, that week when you sort of announce your, your yearly results in terms of your finances, and on the face of it, and, and from the, the bits and pieces I've been reading this week, it's it's actually a, a positive news. For the first time in some several years, we actually posted a profit, and a, and a pretty healthy profit at that, so... Um, one of the things we were going to uh, say is that we've we've got obviously for people who don't know, Ant Thomas is uh, a Shrewsbury Town fan that writes a little bit of a narrative on the Shrewsbury Town website about the finances, just to give a bit more of a layman's person, a layperson's lay view of, of what kind of could, what's been going on in terms of the finances, because it can be quite complicated, Ollie. Um, so we've asked Ant if he'll come on, or at least give us a little bit of audio for next week. So um, he's a bit of a friend of ours from having played for the Way Supporters for years. So one of the things we would say is we'll try and get him to have a chat with us next week. But um, if there's any fans out there that have got any questions having read the finances or seen the sort of results we've got and you know you wouldn't mind a little bit more of a thoughts back, we've got an opportunity to ask Ant some questions and get an actual accountant's view back. So there you go. Fire them over to the Saladcast Twitter account if you've got any questions for next week and we'll see what we can get an answer for. But yeah, going back to Ollie, you know, making some money and having having cash reserves in the bank, you can't really argue with that on the face of it, can you? No, no, certainly not. And yeah, the, the highlights for me the um the good work that Matt Williams did in the sale of Woods and Goldson. Yes. Um, obviously, the, 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 if we believe the rumours, um, there is an opportunity for us to um, make some more cash from those transfers if they either those players get brought. So no, that was good to see, and um, yeah, obviously. Um, you know, taking advantage of our our youth system, and you know, you can't really hold players back. So, no, it's a good set of results, and um, yeah, um, it's been enabled us to invest in the in the structure of the club. Um, so, yeah, no, it was good. Um, what was your view on on the kind of the results of the headlines? Yeah, yeah, it seems good, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, if you take out the sale of two players, you know, we'd have lost money again, which is. Fair enough, isn't it? You know, plus the Man United game, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that brought a bit in the as cup well. run. But also, then we spent some money on the training ground as well. I think it was two hundred grand on the training ground pitches getting renewed that came in those accounts. So you know, there's lots of factors to consider. But you know, we are a football club that develops talent to be sold on. Essentially, we're not you know a club that's going to keep these good talents for a long period of time. And so you know, that is part of our business model, isn't it? Is bringing a few players through. And, and you know, the same thing might happen to Dom Smith in a couple of seasons. And you can't you can't really discount that from the budgets of a finance of finances of a football club because that's that's what it's all about so yeah, yeah i agree with you we did fantastic work in the money we got for them and we might make more um you know it'd be nice to get to a point where the football club doesn't have to rely on player sales and maybe that'll come down the line if we, we keep ourselves established league one and keep building the off-field commercial revenues and you know try and try and squeeze a few more pennies out of more business deals here and there and everywhere you know we've only got i think we only lose 200 400 grand every season so it's 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 not too much money to try and turn around hopefully and 
cup runs always help, don't they? So yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what questions we get and what we can ask Ant because um, there's lots of you know things in the background people like to know. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what questions we get next week, won't it, Ollie? Yeah, no, definitely will be. I'd be interested to get to Ant's um, view on that. Um, and then there was the um, the Q and A. Um, did you get the chance to go? Did you go to the to the meadow? I did not. I, I was up north and I was coming back on Thursday night and I was shattered. But obviously, we've both been able to see most of this because fair play to the football club for doing this. They actually live streamed the whole of the Paul Hurst Q and A, his first one at the football club, um, live on the website. And I think they also did it on Facebook Live as well, didn't they, Ollie? So um, I thought credit to the football club for that. It's a bit more of a modern approach, and it, it's engaging Shrewsbury Town fans that don't live in the don't live in the town, for example, like yourself, that might want to sort of hear what the manager's got to say and you know get that connection. So I think. You know, regardless of what he said, first of all, let's continue that sort of modern thinking. I think from the football club and you know, live stream a few more things like that that really get get the message out there. No, I was really pleased um, as an exile fan and kind of yeah, talking behalf of those who don't live in Shrewsbury or not even those who live in Shrewsbury. You know, there's a lot of people that work um, and travel with work and all over the place or work shifts and stuff, so you can't go. So no, it was really good to see and um, yeah, uh, he came across really well, didn't he, Paul Hurst? Um, as he, he always does. He, he did really come across. Well, it seemed like the crowd there because you could sort of hear the reaction to him were sort of warm to him, and and there was a few laughs here and there, wasn't he? I think one of the things I would say is his media training means he's quite specific and he likes to talk when you ask him a question he likes to give you a very very detailed response back which is great there's not not that sort of maybe bantery type answer that we've had with previous managers before maybe Mellon was a bit like that um so you do definitely get an answer to a question you ask I think the first question someone asked him was about the appeals process and he basically spent 10 minutes the first 10 minutes going through the appeals process for red cards and just detailing out exactly what was going on I thought well there you go you're gonna get an answer to every question you ask you so um there were some interesting things that came up though I don't know if you want to run through some of these bullet points that that we picked up on because some of it's interesting stuff isn't it for Shrewsbury Town fans to have sort of found out about what was going on I think the first one was you know this isn't in any order of what he went through but for me the first one he was talking about youth players and you know the general vibe and the things he said was that I don't think we're going to see too many of our youth players so Jones, Anderson, Rowley and Burton playing all that much for the football club until they've matured or at least got games under their belt um, and he actually said something along the lines of you know Anderson and Jones are here they are youth prospects but they are absolutely miles away from a player like Tyler Roberts so it's interesting to see that we you know we're just talking about the money we've made from our youth prospects about how they're going to develop under Hurst and, and what your thoughts are on that really? Yeah I thought it was I guess it's he's the best educated best position um, to kind of make that point and yeah I guess being compared to Tyler Roberts is quite a big ask. <laughs> yeah, he's... Um, he, obviously, we, he does talk about Tyler Roberts, didn't he, at one point? Yes. Uh, in a bit of detail. Um, so I guess it was it's good to see that honesty. And then also he kind of like laid the expectations, isn't he? He's kind of, I bet, some, I bet the answer was maybe 40 30% for him, kind of like giving the, the players a chance to, I'll prove you wrong, which obviously if they do prove him wrong, he'll be well chuffed because that means they're performing well um, and playing in the, in the first 11. So no, I think I thought it was quite smart of him, you know, to kind of dampen Shrewsbury Town fans' expectations on, on their youth players, but also gives the, the youth players a kind of, um, yeah, um, something to kind of come back and try and convince Hurst that he's wrong. And what was your view on that? Did you no, agree no, think, on that? Or? Yeah, I think it's fair enough, isn't it? He's the best place to judge, isn't it? You'd like to think that... You know, I can't remember what the contract situation is like with a lot of those lads, whether some of them are out of contract this year, but if they're here next year, let's get them out on loan and get them six months under their belt at a club at a national league level. And then if they come in then and they're ready to prove themselves, you know, coming on to 20 then sort of thing, that's the time for them to sort of make a claim for the starting place, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, fair enough to Hurst. I think it was just an interesting answer, really, because 
we sometimes yeah. want our youth players in straight away, but let's be realistic about it. So, yeah, that, that was an interesting one. And then you also said, having talked to people around the football club, that you thought the tempo of training and the pace of training had in- increased under him, which, to be honest with you, what the hell was Mellon doing, <laughs> if it has? So that was quite an interesting comment. Um, another oh, sorry, old... on that as well, on that as well, um, I don't know whether you have this in your, on your comments here, Glyn, um, was also you were saying about how the players had never kind of had any kind of social gathering. Yeah, so I've got he was that. Like, yeah. So he was kind of, but on the train, you know, in terms of building a team, in terms of the training side, it does make you question what was Mellon doing and had he almost given up? I don't know, but um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, he went on to say that when he joined the club, the players, so the squad that we brought together in the summer, had not done any social events together, not one. So they hadn't been out as a team, they hadn't bonded or anything like that. You know, they just come in, they must have just come in, did their job as footballers, all gone away as separate entities. And when you looked at the way we were playing in the in the summer, it, well, in the in the start of the, the season, and the lack of connection the players had, and the disjointed performances we were having, maybe you know, there's there is a there is a place for tactics and and drive and your training level being high, but there's also a place for man management and an arm around the shoulder and a you know, bon army is that the right word? You know, there's sort of we're all in the trenches together, let's all sort of get on and, and try and work together as a team and actually you've got to have a sort of maybe a friendship and stuff. I mean, it doesn't work at all clubs and not everyone's going to get on, but to have done nothing social together seems strange. And obviously then as soon as Hurst came in, he let them have a Christmas party together and it all combusted, which you know, probably is the reason, probably maybe one of the reasons it happened is that they hadn't socialised together and they weren't used to each other's characters outside of the work environment. So who knows? He, he, he talked about the Dublin incident, confirmed there'd been a fight and then just said, look, we dealt with it internally and we moved on as quickly as possible. And looking back they did and that went you know as well as it could do really I suppose and players who were involved were shipped out pretty soon so that was an interesting answer I thought to be honest with you so um another one of the sort of hand grenades a fan threw him was uh had you heard about the Rotherham rumours and that you'll be going to Rotherham in the summer um and did you hear what he had to say about that Ollie yeah I thought it was a good a good solid answer yeah you, you share Glenn well he said he wasn't aware of any rumours and <laughs> yeah. He was planning to build a team for next season. So there you go. You, you know, you, you wouldn't expect him to say anything different, would you, Ollie? And, and, you know, from judging it from a stream and from talking to a couple of other people that went there this weekend, you know, they didn't see, he didn't seem disingenuous, but you'd, you'd still like to see what happened if the, the call came in and there was that option and the temptation to go to Rotherham. But um, yeah, well, there you go. I think you just, that was what town fans would want to hear, really. And then he went on later to talk about his contract and said he was on pretty yeah. much on the same deal that Mellon was, a sort of one year rolling contract, really. So. You know, we do only have the one year's worth of protection if someone does come calling for him, and he's a talented up-and-coming manager. So, who knows, Ollie? Who knows? Yeah, I. It was interesting for him to kind of clarify um, the his contract. Um, was it Alex that asked that? Um, it, I think was. it was Alex he's that asked podcast, that question. Yeah. yeah, so fair play to Alex for asking that. I think that was probably the the most um, direct and kind of yeah. Um, interesting question I think that was asked so fair play to him for that yeah I, I think we're not you know this time when we're under Mellon we thought he was the best thing since sliced bread so obviously next season will be a big test for for Hurst I do generally think that he's kind of you know class above in terms of how he's performing um, but yeah it'll be interesting to see um, interesting to see what he does in the summer um, but um, yeah another good answer from Hurst yeah it was and and he did have lots of interesting things, I thought, and it, maybe it's more interesting for us because we talk about Shrewsbury Town for a couple of hours every Sunday night, and you know <laughs> we, we pour through all the detail of it. But um, you know, he very rarely talks about specific players, does he, Ollie? And, and you know, and it's very hard to sort of get him to say, well, that one player was the best at the end of a game. But he actually had a little period where they talked about Matt Sadler, and he was spoken glowing terms of Matt Sadler and his professionalism. And Matt Sadler seems like an absolute, you know, dream pro. Uh, hard worker and, and despite the poor form he's had for us over the years you know it seems like he is a, a real sort of 
guy in the dressing room that people can sort of look to up to as a leader, even though he's not sort of captain material sort of thing. So I thought I think he came out of it really well, Matt Sadler, and, and Paul Hurst, you know, was talking in very glowing terms about him. So that was that was nice to see. There was the old chestnut Ollie of everyone and us included talking about it for a lot of the season, the pitch size. Um, and someone directly asked him, what would you do? Would you move the pitch back to a bigger size? And he didn't directly say yes or no, but he said, I'd like to build a team over the summer that allows me to make the pitch wider. I play four four two. I play wingers. So suggests to me that if he goes out and gets his targets that he wants this summer and he gets a couple of good wingers and, you know, adds to Wally and Rodman if they're still here, that we'll probably have a wider pitch again next season. So <laughs> the groundsmen are going to be busy again over the summer, Ollie. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I thought that um, we would keep it as the as the pitch and the size that we are. That's what I said earlier on the season when we talked about this and um, with um, Hurst coming along. But yeah, interesting for him to share that. It's, yeah, it shows how honest he is uh, with the fans and um, that he gave that, that answer. Yeah, yeah. And then he also agreed with you, Ollie, about the training ground being absolutely vital. Talks about the problems they've had with training recently, which we, we probably should have mentioned before, but obviously we've been scrapping around for, for somewhere to train. And he doesn't like synthetic pitches, so he doesn't want to train on 3G pitches. So they've been going all the way to Lillishaw to use their grass pitches over the last weeks, couple of weeks, I think. So he's desperate for the, the training ground to be opened. And obviously, you know, the, the weather has affected the finish off of the build up there as well. So. Yeah, he agrees with you, Ollie, on that one about how important it is to the football club as well. So uh, I thought that was quite interesting. One of the yeah, more... kind of sorry, can I make a comment on the on the AstroTurf pitches? Um, that um, it was interesting for the Sutton United game. Um, their manager made a comment that Arsenal do have a four G pitch and they do and they could you know practice on it. But um, I've also read that um, Arsene Wenger doesn't like four G pitches and refuses to let um, the players train on them. Um, one from a kind of injury point mm. of view, but also it's not you know you know you play on grass. You tra- you play you know you play on grass you train on grass, um, and having a team having to drive all over the place to Lillyshaw to different places in Shrewsbury, um, not having that home base, um, and also the management team as well you know not being able to have you know their perfect setup with you know after training go straight into the office and start preparing for the next game. Mm. I think everything will be a lot more efficient, um, and hopefully that will have a, a few percentage increase um, um, on the performances on the pitch. Yeah, I, I don't like synthetic pitches. I mean, we played for the away supporters. Um, you know, the times we played on sort of the three G pitches, four G pitches, it always had felt like it always had a different bounce, and I always felt like yeah. I was more liable to get injured. And, and the reason yeah. for that is, for years and years ago, before you started playing this, was Ollie when I first started playing. I I wore a pair of bladed blue boots for the first time. I bought a, a flash pair of blue boots over the summer one summer, Ollie. And we went to a training session up at um, the the sports centre on the new pitch up there, as it was at the time. And I wore these bladed boots, and I'd, I'd never injured myself particularly before. But I was just walking off at the end of the training session, and my boots got caught in the um, in the astroturf at the time, and I completely smashed my ankle, broke my ankle, and severed all my ligaments inside it as well. And I was I was injured for like a year, so I never really enjoyed astroturf pitches after that, to be honest with you. So yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm sure that's the sort of thing that Paul Hurst is trying to avoid. I'm sure it doesn't happen yeah. so much anymore. But yeah, they rank. Yeah, I it's really funny if playing for the away supporters, I did something similar, and this was for me was the end of me playing football. Um, because I just kept getting injured all the time, so I focused on running. I um, yeah, sprained my ankle, and I actually heard all the ligaments rip. Oh yeah, that's what to me. Ugh, yeah, it's ranking Arendel. it. So yeah, I don't like three um, 4G pitches, and I don't think they have any place in professional football. No, I don't. So I had to have a metal pin in mine, and everything. Always rank it was. I never. So that's I... us standing. <laughs> that's us being on the fence again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. So that that was interesting. Um, the last few points I picked up was that um. Interesting, he said he thought that the players that we've got now, when he watched the three games um, that Danny Coyne was in charge, showed Danny Coyne a total lack of respect, which obviously shows you why we got zero points. So there was obviously something, you know, even after Menon had gone, the players were 
culpable to hell in that three game period. You know, it doesn't seem like Danny Coyne's going to take the the grunt for that if that's what Paul Hurst's saying. So yep. that wasn't great to hear, to be honest with you. And obviously, we've we've got a big turnaround in players since then. So again, that kind of maybe points to that. Um, he then went on to talk about our fans, and he said, "If you can't play here, you can't play anywhere," which is bang on. I was so glad he said that because so many times people think Town fans are negative and it's turning the game and this, that, and the other. But quite as he said, you know, he actually said the sort of thing we say about go to Millwall or go to Wolves or go, you know, go somewhere else. Yeah. I spoke to um, one of my neighbours who was covering the Wolves game for a local newspaper, and um, he said that Wolves won yesterday, one 0 against Rotherham. They were rubbish, and they won, and they still got booed off by the entire ground. So I was like, well, you know, that's just the context, isn't it? It would not happen at Shrewsbury. We're such a mild-mannered bunch. So we I are. thought that was that was a good thing for him to have said. Um, and the, yeah, the last thing was about Dodds to not take a penalty. So yeah, it, it was a really interesting thing. And I, I, if they do it again, I would encourage anyone that can't get there to watch it because you do get to sort of get some of that background information. And, um, you know, hopefully we've not said anything out of turn that sort of has paraphrased what he said. I don't think we have, to be honest with you. But no. yeah, well done to the football club. And, and I'd suggest that if anyone wants to, to watch those again, do so. They were, it was really, really engaging and really enjoyable. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely agree with all that. Good stuff. So that was it. There was no other news. So uh, we shall move on to predictions, Ollie, because I've got some good news about my predictions. <laughs> Lynch shoots. There it is, Lurton goal. Tommy Lynch has scored for Shrewsbury. Through the wall, past Barry Richardson. So the predictions league, and we always before each section we always get to um, we will say who's going to lead, and of course Glenn asked me to lead into this section because <laughs> guess what, Glenn got the score right. Yes, which brings Glenn right into contention. So um, so twenty five to me, twenty four to Glenn, just one point in it, which yep. puts loads of pressure obviously on the remaining games. So who's going to get that prize? And I can't remember what we said we were going to win. Was it just a pint or something we were going to get each other? But maybe we'll have to do something a bit bigger than that. Yeah, um, well, yeah, it depends now. It's so close. We can say anything, can't we? Because it could go either <laughs> way now. We should, we should say something now. I think that the winner should buy the other person's scarf, a shoes town scarf. There you go. That's we do a that? good idea. Yeah, no, I'm happy for Sorry, that. Sorry, the loser should idea. buy the winner a yeah, scarf. Of course, there we go. Yeah. Let's do that. Otherwise, I'll throw it. But no, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. All right. So, what about this week, Ollie? Then with the pressure on, we're going to do Vale away on Friday night. Just first one, I suppose, is before we go on to the predictions. Are you going to be going to Port Vale on Friday night? I know you were talking last week about hating driving up the M6, so I think you are. But yeah, just I am going to go. Yeah, yeah, stuff. I will. Yeah, I'll definitely go. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can have a better. So me and you sit next to each other away at Swindon and Bury. Yeah. Um, so obviously we've had a loss, and we drew at Swindon, didn't we? Yep. Uh, so hopefully we can get a win this time, Glenn. That'd be um, good, yeah. So yeah, so you're going as well. You, I'm working from home on Friday, um, so yeah, I'll try and set off at a decent time. Yeah, um, and I've got the opposite journey. Traffic. I've got a worse journey, if anything. I've got to come from Manchester, and there's road like, roadworks chat on the podcast, but there's roadworks from literally Manchester to Stoke, and it's all 30, 50 mile an hour. You'll have to come way off down. maybe on an yeah. A road. There's a few A maybe roads, isn't there, on the side? So there you go. So I'm coming down from Kendall for it. So anyway, so predictions. What are you going for, Ollie? Oh, sorry, just breaking news. Um, Steve McLaren's been sacked. Oh dear. Yeah, there you go. Anyway. <laughs> Interesting. He's probably quite used to that by now, Ollie, to be he honest is, with yeah. Him and his hair island. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he's go. gone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm going to go for a 2 1 win to Salah. Oh, yes, that would be good. I was thinking, I'm, I'm really nervous about this game. I think this is the, the crunch game of the rest of the season. I know we've got a lot of home games and stuff coming up, but to me, this is huge. And I think. As much as it would be bad to have drawn three games in a row in the context of the season, I actually think if we can nick a draw, I think it would probably be all right just to keep them that five points behind us and you yeah. know, waste another one of their games. So, I, you know, it'd be lovely to see us win, but I'm going to go for a 1 1 draw again. I know I'd probably be happy with that right at this stage. Um, and then let's get back home and get another three points under our belt and start to ease the pressure away. So, 
yeah, I'm going to go one-one again this week, Ollie. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be funny playing on a Friday night and then you know knowing what's happened and then looking at all the results on the Saturday really and seeing how much damage it causes us, isn't it? If yeah, any. no, it's I don't. It's actually yeah, I don't mind it for a change. I don't think it's on TV, is it? I don't think Sky no. are taking advantage of it, so that's a shame. But um, yeah, I guess it almost gives you the weekend free as well. So apart from the traffic nightmare, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how we get on. And um, I think I went for a two-one more than hope. Though I maybe think will happen, but I'm sticking. I'll stick with that. My Good prediction. stuff. Good stuff. So there we go. We'll shall see where we're at, at uh, next. It, it, it does give you the weekend back, doesn't it? So we'll be yeah. back on Sunday trying to remember what happened on the Friday night. So. Yeah, I suppose that's it, Ollie. Have you got anything else yep. to say at the end of the pod? No, no. Um, just thanks for yeah, thanks for questions and stuff we get through on um, Twitter. There's been an interesting chatter again this week. So, yeah, do follow us at, at Saladcast. And, yeah, that's it for me. Glenn, anything for yourself? Yeah, just share about the questions. Anything about finances we can ask, Anne, that would be really good. And, yep. um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been another podcast. It's been another nice week, Ollie. So we shall talk next week. Oh,